0: Learn more at marines.com. What's up everybody, welcome back inside the horseshoe for the Monday after Ohio State 21 Northwestern 7. That's Andy Baxter. I'm Spencer Holbrook. No Tim May, uh, you'll see him a little later in the video. We'll do a little zoom with him, catch his thoughts from again, Ohio State 21 Northwestern 7. Really weird game to try to break down. We were actually standing here right before uh, we hit the record button, Andy, and, and it was like, okay, how do we really put this into context? How do we break it down? Uh, just a weird, windy, wild uh, Saturday morning in Evanston, uh, but I think we're gonna start uh, on the defensive side. Just now that you've had a couple days to dissect everything, to, to go back through, um, overall thoughts of Ohio State 21, Northwestern 7?
1: Yeah, defensively, you give up seven points and that's a win, right? But given the conditions, there wasn't gonna be a lot of scoring anyway. I think when you look at the defense in particular, I, I thought the defensive line rotation stuck out to me. I know that's something Ohio State's been doing. Nine defensive linemen played ten or more snaps, and we talked about this. It was just interesting of what time certain players were on the field. There was one third and eight where JT Tui Mulay wasn't on the field, and we looked at each other and were like, "Why isn't he there? Your best player on defense, at least right now, isn't on the field at that time." So it's something we need to look into with the coaches and see if that's a scripted game plan. Like, are they having that rotation before the game scripted in, or are they making mid-game adjustments and saying, "Hey, we want to cut back if this guy snaps. We want to." you know, uptick, this guy snaps. So that's something that stuck out to me, at least with the
0: defensive line. Yeah, it's interesting, because we've asked Ryan Day about it before, and, you know, your defensive line rotation, and a lot of it is, you know, you don't put blame on Larry Johnson, but a lot of it is the way Larry Johnson has always ran his defensive line. You've got uh, enough talent in the room, um, you know, on paper and in the practice room, or practice on the practice field in the film room, where you can rotate those guys a lot. And Larry Johnson loves his rotations. He always has since he got here at Ohio State a long time ago. But, like you said, there's a third and eight. There's even, a, I think, a fourth down. JT and Zach Harrison, nowhere to be found. Uh, they're on the sideline. I guess you, we we found them. They were on the sideline. Uh, but uh, where they weren't was between the white lines on the field. And that's just an interesting uh, thing to do, considering what we saw JT and do against Penn State what we saw him do on that opening drive almost have a pick six to start things off against Northwestern you don't even know how the game turns out you know if he gets the party started that way so the defensive line rotation I completely agree is something that that is going to be a talking point this week defensively because other than that you know we can't really say the secondary played well uh it, it didn't Really, there, there wasn't much opportunity to play well. yeah, there was exactly much throwing yesterday
1: from either Ohio State or Northwestern.
0: Yeah, and so you know, with the wind like that, you're not going to throw the ball at all. Um, so I thought Ohio State tackled relatively well. Um, there were times where you know, maybe a guy slipped off of a defender, uh, maybe you chalk that up to uh, some slippery conditions, maybe you chalk it up to poor tackling. Um, but, but overall, I thought the defense played played a pretty good game. I know Northwestern averaged four yards a carry. It felt like a lot of that came in the first half. Would you agree with that? I think second half, they kind of shut down what the Wildcats wanted to do.
1: Yeah, aside from that first series where Northwestern came out with the Wildcat formation, without Brendan Sullivan, their quarterback, even on the field, it was just having a hole taking snaps. They moved the ball a little bit there, but aside from that, Ohio State adjusted. I think we talked about this, and I agree, there could have been a third linebacker on the field a lot earlier for Ohio State, they were still in their 4-2-5. And I think once you're seeing, OK, this is Northwestern's game plan, they're not going to throw the ball. You know, the wind is certainly a factor in that. But they had an idea of moving guys around, running with direct snaps with their yep. running backs, Evan a hole in Cam Porter. I think at some point, if you're Jim Knowles, you say, you know, let's put an extra linebacker in there or at least, you know, maybe put a, an extra safety in there, bring them down, play like that hybrid safety linebacker role. Just have some more guys in the box. Uh, but eventually they adjusted and yeah two tackles that stuck out to me were in the first half actually tommy Eichenberg had another great game 13 tackles 10 solos and there was a moment in the second quarter where he stuffed evan hole on a third and six for a loss of two another great game by tommy and then there was also ronnie hickman who was one of the programs two defensive players of the game uh he had a stop i believe it was on fourth and eight you know northwestern had actually driven down close to the red zone uh there was a pass to Malik Washington, Northwestern, and Ronnie Hickman made the run towards the sideline and a tackle. That was a great play yeah. by him and a great game overall by Ronnie.
0: Yeah, Ronnie and and Tommy really played well. Those those are two of the more sure tacklers on the on the uh, roster. You're not going to see guys make better tackles than those two. A uh, couple things that stuck out to me, um, you know, Northwestern tried to go up the middle a lot and then ended up having to bounce things out. I think that's a credit to the Ohio State defensive tackles for making things really difficult on the inside. Um, you know, 4.6, I think, yards per carry isn't going to get it done uh, against Michigan, and that's where everybody's pointing to right now. But this, the game was a little bit of a weird circumstance. I thought Josh Proctor played well, being on the field for more snaps than he had the last few weeks. Cody Simon, Pauline Neoteote, both of those guys getting in on the action a little bit. Maybe, like you said, you could have seen them a little earlier. Both of them were on the field though in the second half and played pretty well, I thought. Uh, so now you just kind of. Take it for what it's worth, I guess, the defensive performance. Not a lot of passing, bad Northwestern offense, that you got some things to work on, some things to figure out, and now you move on to Indiana, another pretty poor offense where you're not gonna have a lot to base yourself off of just because of the talent level. Um, but there are things that need corrected defensively, for sure.
1: Yeah, in Indiana, I mean, Ohio State opens as a 38-point favorite, but similar to Northwestern, they're gonna give Ohio State their best shot. And everyone gives Ohio State their best shot and we saw that Saturday and certainly the weather played a role there um, but as we've already talked about that Indiana defense and offense is nothing to write home about defensively in the past defense they're giving up north it's like 260 yards through the air every yeah. game so it's a get right game for Ohio State offensively specifically with their pass offense because CJ Stroud was not able to throw the ball on Saturday.
0: Yeah for sure and We've already looked at the weather conditions. It's pretty nice out here on a Monday morning. I think it's gonna be about 60 degrees today. Saturday, um, yeah, not so much. Bring a coat, folks. Uh, 41 degrees is the high as of now. So maybe you don't get the same wind, but it's going to be very cold in the horseshoe on Saturday. Um, we'll see how Ohio State handles that, see how CJ Stroud and this offense handles that. This offense is best, I would say, when it's eighty to 60, 60 to 80 degrees, light wind, no rain, perfect conditions. Uh, basically, you know, I, I don't completely disagree with the notion that it's a, a dome offense, uh, but I also think that they can do things um, that aren't just meant for a dome. They're going to have to on Saturday because it's going to be cold. And, uh, you know, can CJ Stroud throw the ball well enough in the cold? Uh, we saw the 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 weather affect them against Michigan last year in the cold and the in the snow. I don't think it's going to snow, but it's going to be interesting to see how this offense operates in 40 degree weather because you might get it again in, two, in three weeks when you play michigan
1: yeah and cj stroud you know obviously affected by the wind at northwestern he talked about trying to rip the ball through the wind he was frustrated with his ability not to do that he had 10 incompletions in the first half and by the way that ties his most amount kind of incompletions all season in a full game so it just wasn't going right for him and he actually ended up with more rushing yards than passing yards. That's a stat line we talked about. We'll probably never see again. No, from CJ, but showed the ability to run. And you wrote about that on LettermenRow dot uh, com, and just his ability to do what you need to do to win the game. And he has wheels.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not a slow guy, and maybe he's not as willing to run as say Troy Smith was, say J T Barrett was, uh Cardale Jones, uh even Justin Fields at times, but when he needs to and when he kind of wants to, CJ can run. He can scoot. And you saw that on the long long run that set up the, the final nail in the coffin touchdown there in the fourth quarter at Ryan Field. When he wants to, he's, he can get there and he can get there quick. And so is this a new layer of this offense? I don't know. Uh, Ryan Day talks about, you know, is this a break glass in case of emergency event? Maybe. But now that you've shown it, teams have to at least respect it. And if they don't, then it becomes more of a part of the offense because if, if Indiana, if Maryland, if Michigan for sure doesn't respect C.J. keeping the ball, he's going to be able to pull it and gain easy, easy yards and then take a slide and not really have to take a hit. And I think that's going to be an important part of this offense if it's going to get where it wants to go.
1: Yeah, you asked Mayan about that after the game. You said, does this help you on film?" You know, with opponents looking at the zone read and seeing C.J. actually pull it, that does help with running back because now there's some more variety there. It's not just like, all right, well, Mayan or Travion or... Dallin, whoever has the ball in their hands in the backfield, it's not that they're always going to get it. He's going to pull it sometimes, and that provides a threat to the defense and makes them a little bit more unpredictable. But the running backs in general were a little bit of a storyline throughout the week. You know, The question mark was next to my Williams name yeah. after leaving the Penn State game with an apparent hand injury. And then Travion Henderson is the one that misses the game with it seems to be the foot injury that's been giving him trouble all year since Toledo. So we see Mayan, he has a season high 26 carries, goes over hundred yards for the third time this season, but it wasn't all good. I mean, in the first half, you know, we had that touchdown in the second half, I guess, it was 27 yard touchdown. Before that he had 28 yards. Yeah. So that's, that's not great. And there's a lot of short yardage situations. I think there was three in the first half where it was third and three or shorter and he couldn't convert. And that's not all on him. You know, the offensive line is certainly not getting the push you want. Um, I actually looked at the PFF grades and the front blocking grades. Aside from Luke Weipler, we're all under 60 against Northwestern, so that's not what you like to see. But Mine certainly needs to have some better vision on those short yardage situations.
0: Yeah, he seems to be wanting to take it outside, and that's not really Mine Williams' game. And so it's just interesting. Also, you know, when your guards are getting beat to the spot on a short yardage, it's not going to help. There's not really anywhere to go between the tackles, so then you have to bounce it outside. And you know, in those situations, you got a lot of guys in the box trying to get to the ball carrier. You gotta have better blocking inside. And I think it's as simple as that. And I don't, I know that's not a simple thing to do against a division one talent, but like it's as simple as, are you better than the guy across from you? Can you get a push? Can you get one yard? And I tweeted that on Saturday, Ohio State can't get a yard on Northwestern twice. That is not, what you want to see from a team that wants to compete for a national championship. That's not going to work against Michigan. It's not going to work against Illinois or Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game even though we've already seen what's possible against Wisconsin. That's not going to work against Georgia, Tennessee, whoever you think you're going to play, Oregon, TCU, whatever, in a college football playoff semifinal. It's definitely not going to work in a national championship game. You've got to be able to run the ball. and When it's third and one and fourth and one, you have to know that you're going to get that yard. and Right now, Ohio State isn't doing that. Like you said, against Penn State, Ohio State had 37 yards rushing before a 41-yard Trayvon Henderson touchdown run. Against Northwestern, Mayan Williams had 28 yards before a 27-yard touchdown run. That's not going to get it done, and you've gotta be able to run the ball better. You
1: gotta start fast, and maybe part of it's needing a change of pace. You know, Dallin Hayden didn't get a carry yesterday, and we've talked about ball security issues maybe with him, but at some point, if Trayvon's gonna miss extended time, especially down the stretch, you got to have a couple options there to help Mayan Williams. I mean, just to get a little bit of a break, a change of pace. As you talked about, Mayan's great in between the tackles. He's great at getting that burst. And on that 28-yard touchdown or 27-yard touchdown, he actually shot up right through the gut and then made his cut right and bounced outside. I mean, that was a good way to bounce outside, but he, it wasn't premature. He yeah. shot up the middle through the hole and then bounced outside, followed T.J. Shroud, the lead blocker for the touchdown. So just having some kind of change of space, change of pace, where. You know, Dallin maybe can be a little bit more of the outside guy and then you have as the inside guy. It's not so black and white like that, but you know, just a little bit of a change of pace could help them down the road.
0: I don't fully expect Trayvon Henderson to be out too long, um, but if he is, this is obviously something um, that's not just something that popped up last week or popped up in practice. Uh, if he is, then you start to almost need to rely on a second back. It can't just be Mayan Williams all the time. Um, and I don't think Ohio State wants it to be. And so now you're in this interesting spot. If if you notice, we haven't talked to anything about the passing game other than, you know, 10 incompletions in the first half for C.J. Stroud. I really do believe after being down on the field after the game that, I mean, passing was just impossible. I mean, there were even times where, yes, there were some drops. The uh, Mecha Buka drop on the, the would-be touchdown pass is kind of unacceptable. When when you're looking at that ball coming in the wind, though, you know, where is that ball flight going? What's going on there? Is it going to hit me in the hands? Is it not, you know, there's one over the middle to Kate Stover where he dropped it. It looked like it hit him in the, in the wrist. Is that because of ball path? I mean, when you're talking what O'Hare airport in Chicago, I think seven miles from Evanston described as upward of 80 mile an hour winds at points during the day on Saturday. I mean, what are we talking about the passing game? I mean, that's just not feasible to do. Um, so i credit both brandon sullivan and cj stroud for even having completions <laughs> because the passing game just it it wasn't really feasible on saturday
1: yeah but one thing that actually flew under the radar was marvin harrison still had five catches yeah
0: which is he wild over 50
1: yards and two of those catches were on third down i was looking at his third down stats he now it's 14 catches on third down which i believe is tied for 19 from the country and of those 14 catches on third down 13 have moved the chains so we talked about, and you guys talked about in Letterman rowe just how reliable Marvin Harrison is. And that showed up even in the wind. Like, I didn't even realize he had five catches until after the game. That's half of C.J. Stroud's completions. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think that goes to show his vision and the way that he's able to track the ball. You see it over the shoulder on those crazy catches that kind of fall into his hands. Um, and it looks like C.J. Stroud makes a great play. But also Marvin has to adjust and, and be able to see the ball into his hands. I think it goes to show even in crazy wins, that he can track the ball so well, so precisely into the, his hands that, you know, it's hard not to complete a pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. He's he's that kind of talent, even in the win, like you said. I guess that's kind of a rundown of the offense because running game wasn't great. Passing game almost gets a pass. Um, I would give Northwestern's passing game a pass too. It's not just the Ohio State passing game. I'm almost excusing, but I truly do believe that that the weather uh i don't think tv did it justice Um, our camera definitely didn't survive (laughs) uh, based on the the footage that we have of me running after the camera and catching it before it hit the ground after the game on saturday but just an interesting all-around game um welcome to the beat it was your first game covering ohio state and and you you watch that um just final takeaways from ohio state northwestern before we move on to indiana
1: u.s coach day ryan day after the game you know is this a throwaway game? Do you learn something from this? And he said, yeah, you certainly do. Uh, I don't know how much you do learn from it in the passing standpoint, but I think certainly from the run game, you take away things. And we talked about there needs to be better blocking, especially on the interior. That's been a problem not only this past week, but a couple weeks before that, too. Yep. And as you get down, the stretch of the season gets colder and colder. You're playing a Michigan team that's probably one of the most physical, if not the most physical in the country. You got to be able to run the ball. You got to get a push up in the trenches. And that starts with the interior. And so that's something that I think I took away with. That's still a concern, um, especially against a Northwestern team. That's not good at defending the run, but also just they found a way to win. You know, they're not They're one of four teams that are still undefeated. They stayed put in the AP poll. They're still number two. There was three top ten losses. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you are 9-0 and a win is a win, but there's certainly some concerns that you know, we have with this team going forward. They need to shore up before they face Michigan on November 26th.
0: All eyes are already pointed on that game. I know Indiana and Maryland are gonna be crucial. Um, Maryland, maybe not as daunting of a road trip as we thought a few weeks ago uh, with Talia Tungavailoa out. Indiana, certainly not as daunting as maybe we thought when they were 3-0 and and rolling through their non-con schedule, beat Illinois. But you've gotta be able to win those games at the same time, everyone knows what's coming at the end of the year. Um, there was a, a famous coach at Ohio State, I believe it was Ryan Day's predecessor, his name was Urban Meyer, who said the best part of being a 9-0 and is a chance to go 10-0. and It's much better than being 8-1. It's certainly better than being 7-2. and We saw Clemson go down, Alabama go down, um, you know, LSU and two-loss teams start to rise in those rankings, Tennessee go down. Um, much better to have a win, A bad win is better than a a good loss, a quality loss, as the College Football Playoff Committee likes to say. For Ohio State, take the Northwestern game, come back to Columbus, figure out what you did wrong, and move on to Indiana. That's exactly what we're getting ready to do. We're going to welcome Tim May in now on a Zoom call. Uh, Get his thoughts, of course. He's always got things to say about Ohio State, so just stay tuned for that. For Andy Backstrom, I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Inside the Horseshoe, let's throw it over to Spencer and Tim. All right, Tim. Welcome into the Monday after Ohio State twenty-one, Northwestern seven. Uh, glad to see that you're doing better. Um, looking forward to having you back. Wait a
2: minute. Let me interrupt you, as I usually do. I never felt bad. I never felt really bad to begin with, except the shock of getting a a, a positive test. But I come out of a uh, I come out of this thing on uh, basically Monday night, early Tuesday morning. My five days are up, and I'm uh we'll be able to have a normal life again. But thanks for thinking of me, Spence.
0: Absolutely. It wasn't the same in Evanston without you. You may have blown over, though, uh, with the wind that was going on in Evanston. Uh, Tim, I'm not going to do too much talking here. Uh, Andy Backstrom and I covered a lot of ground uh, at the Horseshoe this morning and and inside Ryan Field on Saturday after the game. But we we are here. It's the Monday after Ohio State 21, Northwestern 7, in one of the weirdest, windiest games anyone will ever be a part of. And I'm just going to kind of let you let you give your thoughts here because we haven't heard from the 40-year vet himself uh, on Ohio State 21 Northwestern 7.
2: I'd like to have been there only because I've never experienced a football game where the wind is such that it means you cannot throw the football, even though Ohio State did try to throw it continually uh throughout the game, because that is part and parcel of what they do. It's almost, it's almost like Ryan Day couldn't couldn't grasp you know, the idea that anything could shut down that Air Force. You know what I mean? It was built for uh, uh, ILS, Instrument Landing System, conditions. Well, it didn't work out that that, that way uh, with that wind. And uh, that's what stood out to me to begin with was they were still sold on they could throw the ball at some point. And it kept them from committing, the Buckeyes from committing to just put Josh Fryer in there with number 41 and uh, uh, Cade Stover And uh, G Scott and and uh, Mitch Rossi and a running back and just lining up and trying to run the ball down Northwestern's throat. uh, Watching them try to deal with it in the first in the first half of that game, especially first quarter, especially was kind of like a little bit mind numbing because they weren't going to be able to throw the ball and you really got the idea that running between the tackles was going to be the answer against that Northwestern defense even if Northwestern was packing it in you know like they did defensively uh keeping maybe two safeties deep for the most of the game but the rest of the time eight guys in the box eight daring you to run it you know and kind of the mother nature was daring you to throw it that their 12th their 12th woman uh, instead of 12th man their 12th woman that day uh but you know, Ohio State finally got his act together, especially in the second half, outscores Northwestern fourteen to nothing. Uh, I think that said a lot. But you know, around the country, as I'm watching the game on television, I'm flip. You know, I'm watching like six games at once. That's the way I watch football. But around the country, the the pundits weren't really paying attention to the fact that that was prohibitive weather when it came to, to throwing the football. And we know that's part and parcel of what Ohio State does. And Ohio State was really getting short shrift as the day went on. About oh my goodness they only they only beat northwestern twenty one to seven in winds that uh, were in the twenty to forty mile an hour range and higher, as you said, uh, uh, O'Hare supposedly registered a wind soon after that game at eighty one miles an hour. O'Hare airport, about seven miles west of where the game was being played. Uh, it was crazy. It should have been given more credit. The weather should have been given more credit for how it changed the uh, that game. And to think that Ohio State, yes, number two in the country, is going to line up and just pancake a uh, Northwestern. Even North, Northwestern went into that game one and seven. Uh, in those kind of weather conditions, Northwestern prides itself on being tough at the line of scrimmage, especially on defense and, and really playing sound defense. You've got to kind of beat them either physically or athletically uh, to move the ball on them uh, to a certain extent. Uh, to think they were just going to run right over a Northwestern uh, was, I think, not – not properly thought out, but, you know, heck, in the pregame radio show I was on, I picked Ohio State to win, I think, 41-7. to 7. I thought Northwestern would score at least one touchdown. I didn't know it would be on their, what, their first possession or whatever it was. <laughs> when it went right down the field and they went, I said, oh, Fitz, Coach Fitz has got a game plan for this weather. And the other guys, Ohio State, Ryan Day, and his staff did did not, in my opinion, or did not, have a clearly defined, we're not going to be able to throw the ball today. If we do, it's going to be a little short things. Uh, let's line up and run the ball down their throat. It took them a long time to get to that. But when they did, they did. But here's the here's the silver lining. Uh, Ohio State went into that game with the number one passing efficiency quarterback and C.J. Stroud, and I'm even writing a story about this uh, later on today. They went to that game with the best passing quarterback in the country. You know, number he's still number one in passing efficiency after the weekend, which I'll get to in a second. But they came out of that game with a dual-threat quarterback. Are you kidding me? You know, finally, he runs the ball. Finally, you see the impact it has for this football team, this offense in particular. And, uh, wow, that was a saving grace. He throws for more yards than he runs. Uh, Excuse me. He runs for more yards than he throws. Who had that on their parlay card on Saturday? Not me, not did anyone else. But that's what they needed exactly in the two moments he did run the ball. They were huge. Now, with that said, 3.30, everybody's giving Ohio State up for plummeting in the polls. You know what I mean? Maybe the fourth or fifth. Oh, how can it be? Finally, you know, people's uh, doubts are justified. How are they going to handle Michigan in uh, three weeks, etc.? you know? Well, by 11 o'clock at night, Clemson had been beaten. Alabama had been beaten, Tennessee had been beaten uh you know you always got to wait till the day's over right before you pick up your pick up your uh, chips on the table and uh Ohio State stays number two at least in the polls, right yeah. and uh, and we'll see where it comes out in the college football playoff uh, rankings. I would think it'll be either number two or number three depending on how those those uh folks react to that game and to the conditions that Ohio State played in. I would think any football people, on that on that uh, esteemed committee will understand the 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 challenge Ohio State faced on Saturday. It still managed to win by eleven but excuse me by uh, two touchdowns. It still managed to top twenty points for a record seventieth straight time. That's remarkable, really, in some sense, the way that game went in the first half. But those are kind of my thoughts. Defensively, yeah, Ohio State did get did get kind of like snookered there in the first half, but. But made plays definitely in the second quarter and through the through the uh, third and fourth quarters, which kept Northwestern from being a serious threat for another score. So I think they, you know, defensively they got the job done too, except on that last play by Northwestern, which allowed them to actually win the total yardage <laughs> figure for the game by a couple of yards. Uh, what was it two eighty nine to two eighty seven or whatever it was? But that's an aberration. I don't know what you get from that from a from a video standpoint. How much you get from that? Except for Ohio State getting video of when someone stacks the box, definitely. How did you? How did your front seven, sometimes front eight, handle it? Block it, whatever you want to call it. When you've got to get a yard, uh, you know. As 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 Ryan Day said, that third and one that they missed on, and I think he was talking about in the first half of that game. He's that's gonna bug him for a while because they thought they had the right play call, and a guy just steps into the hole and makes the play. Uh, You, you got to block people, you know, Northwestern was doing a great job of getting their linebackers out on steel chambers and Tommy Eichenberg early in that game. But that, well, I stayed adjusted for that definitely after halftime and, you know, steel chambers and Tommy Eichenberg had pretty good games along with Teron Vincent. I thought Teron Vincent was as big a force as he's been, which they needed in the middle of that defense. And, JT Tuimalo still had a great game. If you isolated and watch him, they moved him inside a few times, or at least once for sure, to that uh, inside over a guard, and uh, he he uh, played well. But I mean that one is up as I tweeted out the other uh, uh, on Sunday. That one great photo I think Matt Parker had of him getting blocked uh, uh, and reaching out and catching the ball carrier with his left hand while he's being blocked by the uh, offensive lineman is one of the great shots ever. But also it showed you what kind of day he had because he made a play not only while he was getting blocked, but while he he was being held, you know. And as I said, that's kind of like a microcosm of what he has dealt with the entire season. You know, how much video and uh, photographic evidence do you need to show how much he's sort of being abused? And uh, teams are getting away with it, yet he's still figuring out ways to make plays. So those are kind of my... uh, regular thoughts there. I mean, one wide receiver on the field, three tight ends, a running back and a quarterback, and just get after them. That's the way I would have approached that game. You still gotta have that one thread out there. Uh but uh it's in the history books now. One of the windiest days in football history, the High State played a game and maybe the windiest. Who knows? The snowball in nineteen fifty was part of a blizzard. There might have been bigger wins then and the punts, you know, uh there were what twenty nine punts or something in that game. But uh it was crazy that Ohio State figured out a way finally to get it done and moved on, stayed undefeated, kept this uh, – this uh, this kept this, stayed on the collision course with Michigan, which struggled with the Rutgers in the first half. Good, good good thing the Pundits weren't watching that game in the first half. 17-14 to 14 Rutgers wins, and Michigan came back and blasted them. <laughs> I mean, blasted them. As uh, Greg Giano said, leaving the field, they don't give out uh, trophies for first halves. And he was exactly right. Uh, there was no reason to give out a trophy after that game. Uh, but uh, that that's what I come away with. I thought Ohio State, uh, yeah, 1-7 team they were playing going into that game. Uh, Northwestern played a lot of teams a lot closer than maybe even I gave them credit for. But Ohio State found a way to win by double digits and move on. So, Tim, a lot. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me get some oxygen. Go ahead. A lot for me to unpack there.
0: First of all, uh, I knew my game pick was in trouble. I knew all of our game picks were in trouble. Uh, when I pulled into the stadium, there's not a single tailgater out there. It was too windy for tailgating. Um, It was about 45 minutes before kickoff. There's not a soul in the stadium. Uh, It ended up filling up relatively nicely, but the weather was horrible. Um, And it was bring your own energy. Uh, That first half, I'm just going to be completely honest with you, there was no energy there. I mean, Northwestern brought some after that first drive, and you knew that they were going to because, you know, it's a chance to play the number two team in the country. Ohio State had no energy. I'm not going to blame that on the weather. Ohio State should be better prepared. You know, the coaching staff, the players—that falls on everybody. They should have been better prepared. Yeah. Knowing that it wasn't going to be the same atmosphere at Penn as it was at Penn State, knowing it was an 11 a.m. kickoff in bad weather, you have to, you have to come out and throw the first punch and finish that game early. Second of all, uh, for all of the the complaints about Ohio State, they doubled up Northwestern almost yards per carry. So Ohio State did end up running the ball pretty well. Yes. Um, Now, that's aided by a 27-yard touchdown run by C.J. Stroud, getting that 44-yard run by C.J. Stroud on another long run. But 5.9 yards a carry compared to 3.5 is pretty good, and I still don't think that anybody on this schedule is going to be able to run the ball very well in Ohio State. Third of all, I'm just going to run through these bullet points and then let you get back to it, Tim. Uh, The passing game is what the passing game was. I thought that the wind – I talked about with Andy a little bit earlier in this video. I thought the wind really affected receivers trying to see the ball into their hands. Um, You could see it start to move different directions. Yes. Mid-ball. I think one of the third down plays hit Cade Stover on the wrist when he thought – You know why? Because
2: it got there faster than he thought it was going to get there. I mean, you could literally – I've seen that a million times. Go
0: ahead. So, those are just all things. And I'm not – I'm not excuse me. I'm not going to carry water. For a 21 to 7 win over Northwestern, I do want to get your thoughts on this. I know that the 2006 season—this is kind of out of left field for you—but it, it all makes sense. I know the 2006 season ended pretty miserably. It ended up with Troy Smith winning the Heisman Trophy and Ohio State beating a top five, a top five Michigan team before going to the national championship.
2: Top two it was one versus two.
0: Yeah, the first week of November, though, in that season, you were there in Champaign. Yeah, ate at the Pancake House before you went to the game. Ohio State yes. plays yes. A,
2: uh,
0: Yep. Ohio State plays a one-win Illinois team in the first week of November and wins only 17 to 10 and Troy Smith the Heisman Trophy winner had less than 100 yards passing and no touchdowns. Yep. They go on the next week to blow out Northwestern and then they beat Michigan. And everybody after that Illinois game was talking about how Michigan was going to be able to beat Ohio State. Tim, I have to ask, does that sound
2: familiar at all? Yeah, I even tweeted as the game started uh, on Saturday that, you know, many times i had been to similar games like this, not not with the wind like it was on Saturday, but, but still like in the 20 to 30 range at Illinois, which becomes a wind tunnel because of the stands are so high on the sides and no stands on the ends, at least back then and uh you only scored going with the wind you know ohio state had an achievement on Saturday they scored going into the wind i mean the big run by by cj Stroud, the 44 yard or whatever it was run that set up their last touchdown was against the wind and that wind was ridiculous i mean uh, ryan day looked like he was wearing a, a drag shoot off of off of a, a top fuel dragster sometimes with his jacket when he would turn that way and walk it was it was crazy but uh yeah your every game every heisman trophy season Uh, people who win the Heisman, a guy has one or two games that just don't go their way. But the flip side of that is uh, C.J. Stroud had, what, 150, 160 yards total offense Saturday, Uh, his best rushing game ever as a quarterback. As a Heisman Trophy candidate and as the leader of his football team, he was willing to do what it took to win that game. And what it took to win that game was for him to run a few times, put himself out there in jeopardy. I'm never going to equate his running style with that of JT Barrett or Braxton Miller uh, or even Troy Smith. Troy Smith, when he ran, he, he ran with some authority. But C.J. Stroud did what he had to do to get the job done, much like Troy Smith did that day at Illinois uh, that you're talking about. So, in my opinion, C.J. Stroud earned another feather in his cap. But that's, you know, people can call that whatever they want, that little kind of statement. But he did what he had to do to win that game. And because uh, uh, just like you saw Justin Fields run for a, an NFL record for a quarterback, 178 yards on on Sunday, he's tired of losing. He wants to win games. He's willing to do whatever it takes with that pathetic offense the Bears have otherwise to win the game. I mean, this is an NFL quarterback, and it's the same thought process for C.J. Stroud. I don't want to lose this game. Forget the Heisman Trophy. He wants to play for the national championship. He mm-hmm. wants to play for the Big Ten Championship, which he didn't get to do last year as a starter, as a first-time starter. He didn't get to do that. There are all these check marks that he has left on. Yeah, he got to go to the Heisman uh, Trophy Ceremony in New York. Whoop-de-doo, right? He didn't win it. But that has nothing to do. I mean, that I'm sure that that's just ridiculous to him. But it's really funny how it goes around, comes around. And uh, going into the weekend, he had slipped behind like Hendon Hooker, uh, I think on a lot of the oddsmakers list for the Heisman. Hendon Hooker, the quarterback at Tennessee. Well, the first odds maker's uh, uh, odds, it's kind of redundant, that I saw over the weekend on Sunday, he was back in the lead, uh, C.J. Stride was, because you know why? Number one, his team won. Number two, he figured out a way to win a game when throwing was not the answer. Even though Ohio State attempted how many? 24 passes? It was almost worse throwing with the win than it was throwing into it. Go ahead. T.J.
0: was ten of twenty six passing for seventy
2: six. Twenty six. Yeah.
0: Thirty eight percent completion percentage. I, Tim. I.
2: I think that was a waste of about fifteen plays. By the way, of calling pass plays. I mean, I'm 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 not absolving uh, uh, Ryan Day and his staff of some blame, maybe a lot of blame in this, from the standpoint of just going, okay, throw that throw that game plan up into the wind, see how far it goes. You know what I mean? For it lands, because that was about the best throw they were going to get that day. Now throw- they did. They did have a chance at a couple of big plays in the passing game, but still uh, you could see the ball moving like on that, on that throw to egg Buka. You saw the ball. Move. I mean, this is a talented receiver and it hit the ball. Doesn't hit him in the hand the correct way. Cause as the ball is coming, it's moving. You know what I mean? And like you talked about, it's like, it's like catching a knuckleball on a day like that. I'm sorry, Spence. Go ahead.
0: 35 runs to 26 passes. When you have 40 mile an hour wins, it's not, acceptable. No. it's not acceptable. And, no. uh, I understand that you want to be balanced. I understand that that in critical moments, you had the wind with you. And I understand that you trust your quarterback to be able to slice through wind because he's got a really good, really strong arm. Yeah. All of those factors I take into account. You are Ohio State and they are Northwestern. And sometimes in football, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And when you have a one in seven Northwestern team that is – Getting through your offensive line and making it so you can't really run the ball, it's not acceptable. We're going to have a lot of questions asked Ryan Day, and I understand that, you know, you have to mix in some pass just to get guys out of the tackle box. So you you can't have nine guys stacking up in the box like Northwestern was. And I also take into account that Northwestern was stacking the box and was making it hard because when Ohio State couldn't pass the ball, it was really hard to run when you've got a nine-man box. And that's why C.J. Stroud on the keepers around the end was effective. With that being said, sometimes it is as simple as we're Ohio State, you are Northwestern, we need a yard. And Ohio State couldn't get a yard twice on a possession. Ohio State was stopped behind the line multiple times. But like, These are not issues that can happen in two and a half weeks against Michigan. They're not issues that can happen against Illinois or Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. I don't care that we've already seen this team beat Wisconsin like it did. That's a different Wisconsin team in the Big Ten Championship game. We've seen that before. And it's definitely not something that can happen to put you behind the sticks when you're playing a Georgia or a Tennessee or, you know, a, a TCU or an Oregon. You you can't do that. And so yeah. <coughs> there's there's definitely issues in the running game. It's weird to try to grade the issues in the running game or figure out what they are because you were seeing a non-throwing, uh, def- non-passing defense. They, Northwestern knew Ohio State couldn't throw the ball. Ohio State knew Northwestern couldn't throw the ball. They stacked the box with nine, ten guys and said, "Okay, try to run." That's that's nearly impossible to do. Just because. Yeah, but let the- me throw,
2: let me throw this in there, uh, Spence. You know, back in my day when I was growing up uh, in the '60s and then '70s, uh, you know, it was I formation. It was the wishbone. Team stacked up to stop the run every play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or the wishbone was actually the spread version of the running game. I mean, that, you know, people think the spread just came along in the last 20 years or so. No, the spread's been around. Teams have tried to spread teams out for a long time, but but not commit necessarily to the, to the, to the past uh, wholesale. But uh, when teams were in the out formation with a tight end and one wide receiver uh, and a fullback and a, and a, uh, and a tailback, uh, does that add up seven and four? No. And sometimes a wing back. I mean, teams were overloading and stop them. My point is that problem can be solved when teams are stacking a box on you. You just stack the box even more. You put eight guys. You put eight guys on the line of scrimmage in some form or fashion with a quarterback, a fullback, and a and a uh, running back, and you go at it. There's a weakness there somewhere. You just got to find it. Ohio State found it. Mayan Williams that run up the middle and cut out to the outside. That was a great individual effort by him, and yeah. also some great blocking at the initial point of attack. And then he, he runs through a tackle. Next thing you know, he's gone for a touchdown. I mean, and, and is doing uh, snow angels uh, on the grass at the end of it. That was that was great theater there. Uh, the point is, you sometimes, and this this is, you know, if you have, and I think uh, Ryan Day, if he's self-scouted, I mean, he'll tell you this, sometimes he has impatience about yes. that. About uh, And I understand that. I understand that. But sometimes you just got to have somebody screaming in your ear, hey, we got to line up. We got to line up with three tights and get after these guys. You can still throw a little short pass or pop pass or whatever, but there's a weakness on that off, on that defensive front. Let's find it and and expose it. And they never really got to that on a consistent basis. Although they did expose finally that nobody nobody gives any credence to CJ Stroud running the ball. They do now, so that helps them down the road. If they want to run a zone read option, they can run it now. Uh, and maybe have a little bit more success. The other thing uh, that, that, you know, might've been in his head was Mayan Williams was his only veteran running back available with a trivia on Henderson being left at home with that. Believe it's like, you know, that foot toe sprain thing. I do. I do think he's dealing with you. And I've talked about that before. Uh, So you had Dallin Hayden, a freshman as the backup running back. And then chip Trainum, who had just moved back to running back full time. What two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, And, and it kind of bothered me that maybe they didn't give Dallin Hayden at least a little bit of a, a shot there in that game to just spell Mayan Williams, who the week before he'd left or spent the second half of that game with his arm in a sling, his right arm in a sling, after hitting the down marker uh, uh, in, in uh, Penn State's Beaver Stadium there. Uh, how that down marker never got out of the way, I'm going to keep saying that's beyond me. I've watched that replay a bunch of times. That guy did a poor job. But anyway... Bottom line is, I can understand maybe watching out for Mayan Williams a little bit, but Mayan Williams delivered for the most part as the game went on, and uh, still managed over 100 yards rushing. So I don't know. I think the ingredients were there. Were like like you said to line up and just pound the ball down their throat, and down their throat. In my opinion, means between the tight ends, not between the guards. You know what I mean? Somewhere in there, there was there was an there was a weakness in Ohio State. Uh, rarely ever found it, which uh, <clears throat> I uh, attribute to lack of effort, meaning lack of effort of trying to find it, not lack of effort by the guys blocking. Go ahead now.
0: No, I completely agree, Tim, and I think that's that's a good summation of, of what happened on Saturday. Now moving forward, um, we've got about five minutes before we need to get out of here. I asked Ryan Day after the game, plain and simple, is there a lot you can take away from a game like this? Can you actually learn? Yeah, I heard you. You, can you actually learn things from a game like this? There's plenty of things I wanted to ask. I mean, that's what Tuesday's for on Thursday. On Tuesday, I'm really looking forward to asking him about the defensive line rotation. Still not seeing JT Tuomolo out there uh, almost every down like I think he is in shape to do and can do. We're not seeing Zach Harrison out there on key downs. You know, there's a third and eight that Northwestern picked up deep in Ohio State, deep in Northwestern territory. Neither one of them were anywhere to be found. I, I don't think that's something that can happen in a bigger game. Uh, that that you don't feel like, you know, is is in hand. So I want to ask about that. I'd like to ask about pass versus run. But in that moment Saturday, what can you learn from a game like this? He says you can learn a lot. Do you agree that you can learn a lot about your team in 50-mile-an-hour wins?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's right. I mean, what can you learn? You can also learn about your running game. I mean, all right, it's Northwestern. They're not – they weren't committing – I mean, they might have had guys not – they had two safeties back a lot. I mean, they they didn't exactly have uh, nine men across the board there uh, at the beginning of plays, et cetera. Number two, they had some guys breaking on balls. I mean, in the secondary, I thought they did a decent job of playing pass defense, you know, against, some, you know, obviously some balls that were affected by the wind, but their, their defenders were there. Their defenders were getting to the edge. You know, that's been my big – my big uh, complaint about Ohio State offensively a lot of times is they they don't really hammer between the tackles like they could and should. They were really big, like Penn State that first half. They were real big on these wide plays, those wide screens, the wide runs. And and against a defense that may be out, uh, might, might be smaller up front, but really quick, which is what you know, uh, Penn State was, which is what uh, Northwestern was, that's where you got to attack them. I mean, you're not going to get uh, 12 yards every time you carry it between there, but you got to attack them there instead of going wide, which plays into the strength of their defense. Because if a guy beats one block, he's right there, and he's got uh, Emeka Egbuka on a wide screen. He's got Travion Henderson running wide. Uh, second down and nine, or second down and 11. You know, that's what you're facing. So uh, I, I really don't understand that insistence of the wide stuff, especially early in games. Because in my opinion, the pounding the middle. Is what sets up the wide stuff, uh, not necessarily in reverse order. That's just my opinion. They have a different take on that. You can a lot of people believe you can soften up a running a run defense by throwing the ball. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, but when you're 10 out of 26, like they were on Saturday, you know that wasn't softening much of anything. Uh, so and it's just nitpicking now, but nitpicking with a critical eye, looking forward because that challenge is coming on November the 26th, if both of these teams take care of their knitting the next two weeks. I mean, to me, though, Saturday was all about stunning results. I mean, Notre Dame didn't beat Clemson. Notre Dame beat the hell out of Clemson.
0: You saw Dabo say that?
2: Yeah. that Uh, Yeah. Iowa beat the hell out of Purdue. Iowa, a team two weeks ago that you were making fun of, and basically saying they should send in their big 10. You didn't say this, but you were kind of intimating. They should send in their big 10 membership card for putting that kind of offense on the field. They beat the hell out of Purdue, uh, Wisconsin beat Maryland in similar conditions, but nowhere near quite the wind that Ohio state and, uh, Northwestern faced. But I mean, there were like, there was a weird wind blowing throughout the Midwest on Saturday in all kinds of different ways. Uh, so, uh, it was, the get, it was the day to escape, to get that W and move on. And to me, that's the bottom line, finally, in a situation like this. You get the W and move on. You get a quarterback who decides to put the put the uh, team on his shoulders and run the ball. That's huge for Ohio State. I, I'm, I'm going to reiterate that. Like I've been saying on the radio, talking on with you and uh, on these podcasts and everything else, even my own podcast, just run the ball a couple, three times a game, man, with your quarterback it changes everything or it changes a lot of things. I think, uh, people are going to see that. Imagine him with that, with that mindset now on a day when he doesn't necessarily have to run the ball and people are dropping off covering five receivers. Imagine CJ Stroud now with green grass or green turf, artificial turf in front of him, what he may be thinking now compared to a week ago, uh, this could be the real big epiphany moment for him in this Ohio state offense to add that to the repertoire. I'm not going to say, I'm not saying he's going to be Braxton Miller again. I'm not saying he's going to be JT Barrett, but it just adds that little bit of partial there. That was the silver lining from that uh, ridiculous day in the windy suburb instead of the windy city.
0: Well, and now you've got linebackers with that just small thought in their head. What if right keeps it? So Tim, we're going to get into all of that and more on Tuesday after we hear from Ryan Day, a couple other Ohio State coaches, maybe an Ohio State player, uh, on Tuesday in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Of course, we'll have a practice report uh, from the WAC uh, on Tuesday as you return to action. Tim, thanks for joining me. Uh, Everyone, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Go to LettermanRow.com right now. You can get the entire shebang for $1 for an entire year. That's coverage of all of the Michigan game, Big Ten Championship, potential playoff run, uh, the, the NFL Combine recruiting, uh, signing day, all of June recruiting camp, spring practice, all through training camp next year, all of it for $1. It's a great deal. Tim and I will be there with Andy Backstrom and Matt Parker. Make sure you go check that out. Hit the little bell underneath. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We would love to have you guys here for every video. Tim, again, thanks for joining me. Thanks for recapping Ohio State 21, Northwestern 7. We will see everyone in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday